0: Hi, Nick here from Pods with Nick and James. Just a quick one before we get into this podcast. I want to say a massive thank you for the uh, support that we've received since starting these podcasts. We thoroughly enjoy it and we look forward to creating more. If you want to have your say on any topics that we've discussed, or suggest future topics, then you can do so at www.reddit.com slash r slash pods. And if you want to support us, you can do so for uh, from as little as one pound a month. And you can do that at www.patreon.com slash James. Anyway, back to the podcast. Hello and welcome back to Pods with Nick and James. My name's Nick and this is James. Hi there. Um, today I wanted to lead on from last time where James introduced us to the Abrahamic religions um, and I wanted to lead on with that so I want to discuss the Indian religions. Now I'm saying the Indian religions because um, there are four particular religions can you name them james
1: i know uh sikhism um buddhism uh hinduism now i will admit i don't know the fourth what's the fourth one that
0: is jainism
1: ah all right
0: um jainism is the world's most peaceful religion but i'll discuss why that is a bit later on um all, all those religions come from india um all Indians were said to have descended from King Bharat um, and Buddhists even call India Bharat um, to mean those descended from King Bharat. So if you don't know, some of the more religious books um, are the Mahabharata, um, the Hindu book, the Mahabharata, um, and that literally is like the word of India. Um, Essentially it translates to um, and it covers the very ancient and mythological past of Hinduism. Um, More than likely, the pure differences in these four religions stem from the dynastic past of India, so where it was so divided, almost, you think about the, the colloquial languages we have in England, where you've got the Yorkshire accent and the Welsh accent and the the, the Essex accent and the, you know that that stems because we had the same language as a core structure, but we all very much kept ourselves to ourselves and did it our own way. Well, that's pretty much what? the same way that um, Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, and Jainism all. Stem around like around the same core beliefs, and I really want to cover those. And um, the Dalai Lama himself says that Buddhism and Hinduism are twin brothers. I thought that was a pretty true, pretty um, cool little fact. And the reason I, I I went to that is because the Dalai Lama are obviously a very important person as far as Buddhism goes. Um, and there he is, quite openly, open-mindedly going, yeah yeah, our religion's quite yeah, similar to insane. this other person. Yeah. You know, whereas you don't really hear that. You think about, would you ever hear a, a Muslim or a Christian going, yeah, my religion's quite similar to Muslim religion, or my, mm-hmm. my, my, my religion's quite similar to Christian. You wouldn't hear it at all, would you? As a matter of fact, the moment what? the words came out of their mouth, their, their 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 pastor or whatever would just be beheading them in that moment. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, perhaps not beheading, but no. yes, it would, it, it, you would require um for most for most christians it would require a certain amount of alcohol yeah um before before they'd say that um i am sober but i will admit um the three abrahamic faiths do share a lot in common and it's Mm -hmm. just a shame that you know what not gonna go not gonna go down that we're talking about the other ones but i will admit it's a shame that exactly. it's that is picked upon mm. rather think, than the similarities
0: yeah and i think you'll you'll really like the um the the center of a lot of these religions because um it's almost polar opposite to the to the western religions in i think it's almost you almost almost misconceive these religions based on how we're brought up in the west we're taught to see things from the eyes of the West and therefore, mm-hmm. like, you look at the religions in the wrong way just because that's not how we were brought up and we assume too much of these religions whereas really they're quite cool, laid-back, down-to-earth religions, you know. Um. Anyway, I'll get into them. So, Hinduism. Let's start with the, the word Hinduism. Hinduism itself uh, is derived... The word India, even, is derived from the word Hinduism you know that? There is a, not... there's a river that runs between India and Persia called the Sindhu um, and Persians being lazy people they swapped their S's with H and that gave birth to the Hindus that lived across the river um, and then they told the Greeks that the Hindus lived across that river and the Greeks being the people that they are dropped the dropped the H and stuck a, a nice Greek ear on the end of it and thus was born India. That's literally how it comes about. Um, okay. Yeah. So India itself is literally just the, the the Hindu people. It's just a word for the Hindu people, um, and it stands the reason that Hindu is one of their or is the oldest religion in that um in that area um hinduism can be broken down into seven core beliefs now i'm going to start with hinduism because i I like to think of hinduism as the, the the grandfather of all the all the indian religions that's not to say it's any more important that's not to say that it's the right one it's just to say that as far as i can tell it was the one that came first all right so we'll start with this because you'll see a lot of similarities going forwards um, based on what we talk about here. So, Hinduism can be broken down into seven core beliefs. There is one universal soul, known as Brahman. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, there is belief in an immortal individual soul, or Atman. So, your soul is immortal. It belongs to for lack of a better term to you as an individual um and you live in an endless cycle of reincarnation um based on another one of their core beliefs karma so um karma is obviously you, you've, you understand the basis of karma what you give yep. returns you know uh-huh. so um but karma itself can cling to your soul, right? So the long oh. and short of it is that if you do bad in this life, that bad g that bad juju, that bad karma sticks to your soul, and then influences your next reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So you will be reincarnated to suit the negative karma or positive karma whatever that may be the case that your body instilled from the last life yeah so if you feel like you're suffering in this life it's likely that that would as far as this religions concerned it's likely that is because of your own actions in a previous life you're reaping what you sowed almost mm. um so the ultimate aim is to realize your oneness with brahman and free your soul from moksha, the endless cycle of reincarnation. Okay? Um, so, how you can free your soul from reincarnation um, is by accepting the Vedas, the four Hindu sacred books of knowledge. Um, and I won't go into which ones they are. One of them is musical. There's like, they're basically um, hymn books. Uh, but there is like great teachings within these Vedas. Right. Um, And you should definitely look into them if you've got time yourself listeners in your own time like all of these religions i'm going to talk about now um, are incredibly insightful and very philosophical and if you want a bit of self-development they're definitely something you should look into um so moksha is um moksha is the endless cycle of what they call transmigration which is essentially reincarnation you live in this body You die, your soul leaves the body and enters another one, and so on and so forth. Um, Now, an interesting thing that Hinduism has, which um, I haven't seen very much in many other religions, is they believe that time is cyclical.
1: So, weirdly enough, they they cover this um, very, very briefly in The Good Place,
0: I've not seen, um, but
1: it. They, they 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 do a t- they do a piss take in it. They they uh, you know I do I do enjoy. It. I think they do do a bunch of good stuff in that uh, in that show. But uh, I can actually imagine somebody of Hinduism at least being able to take offence at this. Yeah. Uh, they say that in that the time is cyclical, cyclical, and the shape they show it making. Um, basically spells out a cursive form of the name Jeremy Bellamy. Oh, okay. But um, but yeah, okay. So they believe... So Hindus believe that time is, is cyclical. Yeah. Uh, do they have any... Uh, this is, again, possibly a, a wrong and Western way of putting it, but do they have a... like a timescale or a number that they put on yeah, the length so, of the... Yeah, so there
0: are four yugas which are ages, or aeons, as obviously we were talking about aeons last time, and um, there are four uh-huh. yugas, um, of which they, t- they total around four and a half million years. Okay? Um, and okay. They, uh, Hindus currently believe that we're in the final yuga, which is where humanity's over um, overconsumption and arrogance leads to the overall destruction of reality, and it all has to recycle itself.
1: That's interesting because that's, yeah, like, okay, so there are actually some similarities there with the Abrahamic faiths or at least with some people's understandings of the Abrahamic faiths, like yeah. Jehovah's Witnesses about um, paradise on earth or the earth being made new, which could, I'm, I'm possibly going out on a limb here, but that could be like uh, for lack of a way of saying it the reset or the restart of things yeah so okay
0: i think it's obviously this is something that i want to talk about in our potentially next podcast which is going to be an okay. overview of similarities amongst all the religions and how okay, sure. the, there's truth in everything um, and history itself must be rewritten in order for us to understand ourselves because we're looking at religions like this ancient story that none of it's true whereas really we need to be looking at religions as the oldest recorded history of humanity lost religion of humanity and learned by the mistakes that were like committed in these books yeah and just because what you believe in your christian book happened to your side of the world as it were um doesn't mean that what happened in the the Bhagavad Gita or in the in the Mahabharata didn't happen in in India you know it's all just different perspectives of potentially the same thing but anyway I'll get to that but um yeah, I mean that's for a, that's for another podcast. There's so many, like you said, there's so many similarities between all religions. I think it's almost it's almost ignorance to say it comes down to coincidence. Um, but that's what you're taught in religion. You're told to oh no, it's just it's just coincidence. If they're similar, they're coincidence. But anyway, um, so one of the other core beliefs of the Hindu belief is in Dharma. Now, do you know what Dharma is?
1: Um, no, no. Although I will, I, I'm afraid, Nick. What I'm going to definitely need is in about fifteen minutes. I'm going to say all the words that I remember that I've learnt so far, and then we're going to need to kind of go through the ones that I've clearly forgotten. Um, <laughs> no problem. There's a, yeah.
0: No problem. All right. Let me finish the core beliefs of uh, Hinduism, and we'll we'll have a uh, we'll have a re uh, uh, revision. Um, so cool. Dharma. Um, Now, if I was to translate this in my typical ignorant Western way, it would translate to proper behavior. Um, The issue that I've got with that is that that's so vague and so um, single-minded or small-minded, it doesn't really give the depth of the real meaning. So Dharma would probably be better to call it something like complete empirical pure being and purpose. If you think about a lion's dharma is to catch and eat gazelles, a sloth's dharma is to sleep for 22 hours a day in a tree, yeah. Um, humans, as I perceive it, humans is to consume every single resource in a completely non-renewable fashion for self-servitude and gratification, which I think we're doing pretty good at, if I'm honest. Um, that was a, a joke, by the no way. Yeah, no,
1: no. Cool, cool, cool. I, it's... It's unfortunate that that is what we end up doing, and something does need to change there. But again, hopefully, we'll be able to put the worlds to right. Yeah. Um. By figuring figuring this out, anyway. Sorry, keep going.
0: Yeah, no, that that, that that's it. The sort of core beliefs are um, that's that's the Hindu core beliefs. Now, obviously, I only did only wanted to focus on like the the. the The core of their religion. If you look into Hinduism, there's so much incredible stuff there. I showed you some of it last time after the podcast, didn't I? Like the uh, Uh like some of the excerpts from Bhagavad Gita and stuff like that. It's incredible stuff. It really is, um, and definitely worth looking into if you don't know anything about the religions yourself. Don't look at it necessarily as a religion. Look at it as 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 education, history lesson, if you will. Um, But it's incredible stuff. So. Do you want to give me some of the, the stuff that you remember? And we'll see what which ones um, you... Okay,
1: so there are four ages, but I can't remember um, how many ages exactly. Uh, so there are four ages in which um, time goes in a cycle. Each cycle is about four million years. Uh, there are four holy books to do with Hinduism. Um, You've said that the Dalai Lama, the head of Buddhism, has said that Hinduism and Buddhism are twin brothers, uh, which is interesting. Um, They both contain uh, the idea of karma, but there was a specific name for the soul that I've already forgotten, um, which I'm trying to figure out. Yes, Brahman. Yeah, Brahman. Brahman.
0: Oh, no, the, the individual soul is Atman, um, mm-hmm. Atman, and then the the universal soul. Um, if you want to think about it in kind of a paganistic way, you could say Godhead. Um, so that kind of um, ocean. Yeah, I think about it as the ocean. Like if your if your soul is a droplet, then this is the ocean, and that that's the Brahman.
1: Right. Okay. Um how how old is Hinduism again? Like how far back does it go?
0: Now it goes it's it goes back as far as like 4000 years as far as written records go, but you've got to be careful when you look at
1: History to be fair, most as... most things, yeah, like most records are limited to about four thousand yeah. years.
0: You've got to be careful with Hinduism as well because time scales in their ancient books get a little bit difficult to comprehend, um, mm. and that's purely because I firmly I think if if it's written down in and if it's if it, if it's almost too good to be true. It's probably true, and I don't mean that in a in a really naive way. I mean nobody's going to write down something that is so ridiculous. Nobody's going to believe it unless
1: it's it actually true.
0: Because
1: <laughs> they'll they'll be yeah. Because people will just go, well, that's obviously not true, and then move on with their day. Exactly,
0: exactly. Now I've I showed you some. Uh, do you remember the uh, the Rukman vimanas that I showed you from the Bhagavad Gita the the flying craft that were described within the Bhagavad Gita.
1: Um, they, a, lot, a lot of them almost look like flying cities, like yeah. something out of the studio yeah, yeah. Ghibli film. They, are, they are
0: described as flying cities in the Bhagavad Gita. Um, so, like, you, you can understand, if they've got an ancient book that has got the description of flying cities in it, and they're talking about some of their, their, like, their monarchs living for, like, 30,000 years... You sit there going, ah, oh, no, it's all rubbish, mate, it's all rubbish. No, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't act. why would they write it down? If if you're just going to look at it and go, oh, it's rubbish. They know, they're not idiots, they're not idiots. They know it's going to be yeah. looked at they, they, but they've got to write the truth. As far as I see it, that's the way I, I envision it. Just because you can't comprehend it, when you can't believe it based on what you see in the modern day, doesn't mean it's not true. And were you there to tell it any different, to say it any different?
1: <laughs> no, I am going to say something, and this isn't what I believe, but it is something which has been thrown at me when talking about yeah. religion. Um, oh, well, what's the difference between that and Harry Potter, for example, is one that I've I've been told quite, you know, quite, quite freely and quite regularly.
0: Well, you I see... Think
1: what ah uh, yes no great What what's your answer to that? my, my got... answer to that i've what, always what, what...
0: got an answer for this because um i don't believe that any one person has a new or um unique thought i believe that every thought stems from an occurrence somewhere and this this goes along with um parallel universe theory along with the the infinite universe theory as well like if anything can be thought of then what you've picked up on is a frequency which has downloaded that information to your brain like you think about this i i mean it's really difficult for me to try and actually get my words out off the cuff but essentially um i believe in um coexisting realities which means that every single one of your choices are played out, yeah? When you have a choice ah, in yeah. your life, your your life branches. Then all of a sudden, another universe is created where both of those choices that you had are played out, yeah? Um, yeah. And as such, every single possible occurrence that could happen has happened, yeah? Uh-huh. And if everything is coexisting alongside itself then and and like everything that we see and interact with is operates at a frequent frequency then if you tune into a certain frequency you can get information from other places yeah so when j r tolkien wrote the lord of the rings all I really believe he did and this is where people are probably going to shout stupid things at me about me being completely a, a lunatic but all I really believe he did was he tapped into a frequency where that was the reality because all of his all of his scripture is so all of his writings are so like so deep, so full of detail that like, it's difficult to believe a singular mind could come up with that incredible world, all the languages, all the history and everything just on its own. I believe more likely he tapped into a frequency of uh, and managed to observe or download um, all of that information and put as much of it as he could into writing. Yeah. And it's the same with harry potter and it's the same with i mean bloody red dwarf when i was growing up i would love to go out into the infinite universe somewhere and find a bloody red dwarf mining vessel somewhere with a dave lister and a cat on it just go sit there with them you know um i think the fact that nobody can tell me that that's wrong allows me to have that belief and nobody's ever going to be able to disprove that so i'm allowed to believe that (laughs)
1: I, I absolutely um, I love that. Um, weirdly enough, a friend of mine um, did show me this comic book where uh, these two cultists are going door to door. Rather than spreading a god of love, which is kind of like what is put forward by m- most of the religions, they are literally putting forward um, a god of hate, but they're saying... Ah, so you don't need to worry about whether God loves or hates you. He definitely hates you, which means you don't have to. Yeah. Which means you don't have to worry about it. And the other one's like, oh, phew, what a relief. Mm -hmm. And then as they're walking away, uh, they're saying, you know, we can't prove any of this. And the other one goes, yes, but nobody can prove that it didn't happen.
0: Yeah.
1: And I... It, it, it's an interesting parallels there because you've taken it in quite a positive way of using it as a way of affirming the fact that no one can prove you wrong, therefore it's okay for me to imagine and believe and think these things. Whereas the writer of that comic book has used it as a as a mocking thing for to try and undermine the logic of any belief system. So yeah. I, I, I find it interesting how the same fact... Can be used
0: well, in multiple
1: ways by different people. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's exactly. all perspective.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway, um, I'm going to go over Buddhism now. Um, Brilliant. So, see if you can follow along with the similarities between Buddhism and um, Hinduism. See if you. Start do, you, to do, you see... To, do
1: you want me to? Do you want me to just say same, or just to list them at the end, no, or just, something?
0: Just, just. Um, Obviously, point them out if you notice anything that screams at you. Oh, that's a bit similar. Um, So, the Buddha himself, the original one, was born in 480 BC as as Prince Siddhartha um, Gautama in the area that would later become Nepal. Um, Interestingly, Siddhartha's father knew of a prophecy that said that his son would become a great religious leader and not follow him on the throne. So, the king set out to stop this from happening. So what he actually did was he locked Prince Siddhartha in his um, palace and gave him absolutely everything he could ever want for. He didn't and he he forced every sick person or old person to leave the palace. They were never allowed in the palace again. Okay, Um, And at the age of 29 Siddhartha actually ended up really depressed. Because as fulfilling as his life was, it really wasn't complete. And he felt like there was a massive chasm that was missing. So he pushed and pushed and pushed with his father. And eventually his father said, yes, okay, you can go out on a trip. Um, And as he leaves the palace, he goes out on this trip. And as he's traveling, he he passes a, a sick child. He passes an old man. Um and he um he passed a dead body and he was absolutely blown away to observe these things for the first time at twenty nine years old. He he was like, What's the point of anything? If all that ends up happening is that you suffer, you grow old and you die then what's the point? Why do we do any of this? And he got really, really angry. Um and he continued his his journey. Um, and as he continued he saw a monk who had given up all worldly possessions and was completely happy he decided that he would try this so he gave up all worldly possessions and he renounced his title as prince and he became a hermit and he um, starved himself and he suffered because he starved himself and he realized um, in his sufferance that he wasn't getting anywhere by doing that. So what he actually did in the end was he went, okay, so there's got to be somewhere in the middle. There's got, it, it can't, I can't overdo it by giving up everything because I need things to be able to survive, but I don't need everything. So let me find the middle ground. And eventually he meditated. Um, whilst he was like, he meditated on that and he tried to... Like, developed that as an idea, okay? And he realized that true enlightenment isn't through the lavish lifestyles or complete redundancy thereof. Instead, it lay in the middle. He meditated and entered the state of nirvana, realizing that all life's troubles stem from desire, and that this can be avoided by accepting life's changes for what they are. So there are four, uh, There are there are a lot of centric beliefs within Buddhism. The the main centric belief is in um, Samsara, which is the reincarnation of the soul, um, which is where obviously your soul lives a life, it experiences life. Um, during that time, it picks up karma, which is another centric belief. Um, it picks up karma, and as you pick up karma, your future reincarnations are influenced by um, that karma. Um, and Nirvana. Now, Nirvana is the state that you enter when your karma is balanced and you're free of samsara. Yeah? So you can break free of your, your samsara. Now, um, it's important to note that Buddha himself entered Nirvana and lived for another 40 years. So he didn't leave his soul. He didn't. He didn't project out, and all of a sudden, he just became an etheric being. Like he lived for another forty years after entering the, that state of nirvana, after becoming um, Buddha. So it's not like you. Um, it's not like you transform. It is a. It, it's a mental, or not even a mental. It's a, It's a state of being. I suppose nirvana.
1: Yeah, it's not like a physical. Yeah. place yeah is, uh, yeah which i think yeah.
0: I, I wanted to point out because it's quite often misconceived when you're looking at other religions to almost demonize them in the way that oh of course yeah well you, you become all knowing you just all of a sudden poof up in a cloud of smoke no don't be fucking stupid with it <laughs> it's not that at all you can get to nirvana and you can experience nirvana and all you're really doing is going and being a complete person um, now, the Four Noble Truths within um, Buddhism are that life is Dhaka, or suffering and dissatisfaction, um, and Dhaka is born from desire, the wants and needs that you put on yourself in order to um, gain more, or be more. Okay, um, There is an end to Dhaka if you choose it, and the Eightfold which I'll get to in a second the Eightfold Path leads to the end of docker okay so the Eightfold Path is the right view so you've got to change your perspective look at things a little bit differently the right thought you've got to think about things a little bit differently the right speech you've got to talk in the right way a positive way relinquish that kind of ownership and the right action you've got to embody all of that the predecessing three um, steps um and then you then you've got the right livelihood so you start to become you start to live that life of um the the very belief system which starts with the right outlook yeah um wow. the right effort see the more you put into it the right effort is like um the, the the development on the right thought, it's like the next step to that. The right mindfulness, that's like wellness and completion within yourself. So you're completely satisfied in being who you are and not seeking to be anything more. And the right concentration. Now, this is the step just before um, nirvana, and this is centered massively around meditation when you look into it in the Eightfold Path.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So did you notice any similarities between the two?
1: Well, the idea, um, karma being a main one there, my most, uh, one of the, I learned a little bit about karma when I was growing up, but I think one of my, uh, the, the one of the most mainstream ways I heard and learned about it was through this program called My Name Is Earl, where somebody tries, but it's different there. It's literally, this one guy trying to make up for the bad things that he's done in his singular life, yeah. whereas both Hinduism and Buddhism seem to say that your the state of your soul determines your level of suffering, and your level of suffering uh, is determined uh, by what you pick up and and carry as a with soul. you
0: yeah in your eternal yeah as, life. As, as, as
1: yeah.
0: yeah yeah exactly um like i really like buddhism as um i, I mean pe- people say that buddhism is more of a philosophy i can understand um it certainly is about changing the way that you see life um But I I was talking about this earlier when I, because obviously when I do a bit of research, I kind of end up talking about it. I'm autistic. So if something interests me, it's basically my sole focus for the entire day. Um, So (laughs) um, uh, yeah, so I was talking to my, uh, to um, someone earlier about this. And I was explaining that when I was younger, um, back in my uh, more, Adventurous days, shall we say? I um, yeah yeah. Um, I um, was partying, for lack of a better term, with a number of people, um, and during this time, I ended up sat on this chair, and about ten people ended up sat round me in a semicircle. I remember this moment; it was really really surreal. I didn't even intend for this to happen, but I was just talking. I was just talking about the way that I see the world and kind of being really philosophical. Um, and one thing that I really did um, touch base on then, which I didn't need um, like guidance from anybody else to work out, this was just what I found, what I saw, um, and I said like, a lot of the issues or the main core issues that, that humans have throughout their life are where your expectations change where your wow. wants, your desires, your needs, not even needs because nine times out of 10 your core needs are always met. Yeah, but your wants, your your desires, your expectations of yourself and other people, that's what changes. And that's where the stress comes in. And that's where the pressure comes in to do more or be more or or, or seek more, you know. Um, and I said if people can just be just learn to be content with what they have for what it is then you don't need to 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 stress yourself out ever if you can just go you know what i'm happy i'm happy i i of course if if something new happened i would accept that change and embrace that change i wouldn't um i'm not going to seek out that change Because all change has consequence and although I'm seeking out the positive points of that change there may well be negative points of that change. If that change happens without my willing it to then I will embrace that change, both positive and negative, and adapt to that change. You know, and Uh that's the core of Buddhism. You know, Um, and that's the core of a lot of these religions that we're looking at today, um, is that you don't like people put people put themselves in their own prison. Um,
1: yeah, I I know that I definitely do with a lot of the choices that I make. So okay, yeah, I'm I'm hearing you with that.
0: So I want to go over um, Jainism first because, as I said, I want to finish on Sikhism, and there's a reason for this.
1: So just just very quickly, yeah, go. On. Um, are the roots of buddhism and hinduism entirely different now i know one's clearly got a uh no they are completely different i'm just trying to remember what you said precisely okay so i know one uh prince sanata a late later became the buddha and started sharing things around there but hinduism was was that related to um the name of the king who all indians um king bharat descended hinduism. from yeah king bharat was that also connected with hinduism or hinduism, is there any yeah. difference hinduism,
0: hinduism yeah it was connected to hinduism so the way that i see this if if you think about hinduism as the one everybody started with yeah um yeah when prince samartha um was born he would have been born a hindu yeah he would have been taught right. the hindu core beliefs and as he lived and experienced right. his life, and eventually became Buddha, he would have
1: that. Right. Grew, he
0: would have he would have developed on that core belief system that he'd grown up around, and gone. You know what? Yes, it's good, but I think it can be better. Mm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I hear you on that.
0: Whether it be whether it whether it be that he was. Um, blessed with that knowledge whether he ended up tapping into that knowledge from elsewhere I mean we hear different methods of the same kind of uh, the same kind of message being received in numerous different religions even even the Abrahamic religions where there's a difference to that religion it's because oh I experienced this and this told me that this was different yeah Mm. um whether it be God or whether it be a, a, a burning bush or something, you know, it was an experience that this person had and they, from that, went, no, this is how it's going to be from now on, and that grew another religion. And I think Buddhism kind of came about in the same way.
1: Okay, yeah, no, that's fair enough, which is, in some ways, is the definition of a prophet, is a prophet is someone who says, who looks around, um sees what other people are doing in the form of relation to god and goes no in my experience god is like this and rather than being killed immediately is able to convince a fair number of people yeah. often before being killed yeah okay all right great well no take me through jainism uh, j- like what what's uh, yeah, what's so, that all about
0: so jainism is quoted to be the most peaceful religion in the world.
1: Um, okay.
0: In the West, we tell that Mahavira, who preceded the Buddha by a few decades, founded the religion by cu- by becoming their first Thirtenkara, however, if you ask the Jainists, they will tell you that he was actually the last in a line of 24 karas which are just holy people, Okay similarities uh-huh. again, so they believe in samsara, um, which we discussed in Buddhism, um, which is obviously reincarnation, and karma um, they yeah. believe the path to breaking free of samsara lay in the three jewels the right faith, as in Jainism, um, the right knowledge, and the right behaviour um, and the right behaviour is outlined in the five Mahavarats ok, and um, there are another seven, I love this, they they love their lists in all of these religions. So there are seven tattvas, okay, um, and these tattvas are almost like the commandments, okay. So, living things have a perfect soul. Non-living things have no soul, alright. Bad things drag karma to your soul. And karma will stick to your soul. You can stop this influx of karma, um, and you can separate karma through your uh, from your soul. And if you can completely free your soul from um, karma, then you will free your soul from samsara. Okay, and the five okay. Um, the five Mahavrats. Are, it's completely non-violence, and I mean, it is. If it is there, it's not even a consideration. You are not violent if you are Jainist. Yeah, um, it's complete honesty, absolute honesty. You must not steal. You can, um, you you have to be absolutely loyal absolute um, it's absolute fidelity or celibacy whichever way you choose to go so if you have a partner you commit yourself to that person 100% or you don't you don't have anyone you just content yourself with that and well. not being possessive to anything all right so that's that's Jainism uh, okay, that,
1: that that's amazing what well, I love the fact though this is weirdly enough this is something which so before I became a Christian I did read I read the art of the uh, art of happiness uh, yeah. which is written by it might not necessarily be uh, a, a holy book but it is written by the Dalai Lama and mm-hmm. I hope he yeah. does get some book sales because it did it did help me for a time um yeah like it's weird that he talks about this um, and actually no wait it wasn't in that book but it was the Dalai Lama who who said this he said don't devote yourself to peace because people kill and people die for peace all the time devote yourself to non-violence because you can't kill for Mm non-violence that would just be crazy
0: Mm
1: -hmm. yep
0: absolutely like, the thought mm. of having to be violent has always been a massive issue for me. When I was mm. growing up, um, I would... There were times, don't get me wrong, where I would attempt to defend myself. And, yep. like, I would just be overwhelmed with this sense of adrenaline and, like, absolute absolutely lose control of my limbs. Um, and I was constantly at conflict of... I didn't want to hurt anyone yeah and genuinely yeah. even if they were pounding on me and hurting me I still didn't want to hurt them so yeah, I what it. am I doing why am I trying to fight this person so I just I'm now of that mind where I'm like I'm just not a violent person <laughs> I don't have any need to be violent
1: well yeah, you fight. can always walk away right yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Sort of... I play fight with the kids um, mainly the, mainly uh, my sons um, but I think that's what that's what blokes do in it with boys. You just kind of throw them around a bit. I don't hurt anyone. I don't aim to anyway, and I certainly make right if I do. Um, but I think I'm digressing now. Essentially, yeah, um, I can't bring myself to be a violent person. I can't bring myself to just walk up to someone and like, want to punch them in the face for any particular reason, even if they've wronged me. Um, I kind of puff my chest out and, like, throw words out there. And I can be really dangerous with with words, but I certainly am not a violent person.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's, that's incredibly respectable. Like, it's not an easy thing to follow as well, uh, especially when somebody's getting aggressive. It's also not a... It's definitely not an easy thing to... Yeah, to follow and still uh, openly seek justice because, you know, everyone's got a different idea about what's right and what's wrong and I'm far too passive uh, in my own way of dealing with things. So, um, yeah, like, you know, if you're committed to non-violence but you're still committed to justice, that's a difficult thing to uh, to follow through on, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Um, all right. Well, okay. So that's interesting. So with Jainism, uh, when did Jainism start again? I'm really sorry if you've already Jainism, said. Enough.
0: Jainism is the youngest of all of the Indian religions. And as a matter of fact, it's mm-hmm. one of the youngest religions on the planet. So it's about 500 years old. Um, and it, um, my brain just completely went on a walk then. And it's about 500 years old and it is about the eighth biggest religion in the world.
1: Okay. Okay, that's, that's interesting. All right, and what I quite like about that as well um, is that I'm trying to think of the right words here. I like the fact that this religion is seen as legitimate, and I, I, I re- we won't go too much into this, and we'll touch upon this another time. You know what, I crossed it my crossed over.
0: Let me just correct myself there. So, um, Jainism isn't the youngest of the Indian religions. Uh, Sikhism is, and I got that crossed over, but it is about the eighth largest religion in the world, Jainism.
1: Okay, and is it still 500 years old?
0: Um, no, that's Sikhism.
1: Okay, well, how old is Jainism?
0: Just finding out now.
1: Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll cover my point whilst you're following that up. It does annoy me that up until um, about, you know, four or five hundred years ago, um, certain, like, if somebody came up with a new religion, it was considered a new faith. And then, right, and like, yeah, we won't go into this too much, but it does it does genuinely frustrate me that um, definitely around the 1800s, the moment somebody came up with a new religion, it was a cult. And I I think there's a huge social, uh, like, social-political dynamic there, and perhaps it was just a tool of of the more traditional religions going about their business, but um, just this...
0: Well, we've said this before, isn't yes. it? What's the difference between a religion and a cult?
1: Well, this, this, I've, I know that in the past you've said that there, well, a number of people have said to me that there is no difference at no, there all. There
0: is. There is a massive difference between the two.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Brilliant. All right. F- uh, fill me in there, Nick. What's, uh, what is the difference?
0: Society accepts religion.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's it. That's the thing. The fact that you had these new religions coming in and still being accepted and then for some reason despite society moving forwards in so many ways all of a sudden it was these things are cults and are not legitimate you know yeah so um, I, I
0: want to just, you asked me how old Jainism is, um, I've uh-huh. just, a bit, just been having a look, so um, it's difficult, it's one of those with, as I said, with Indian Indian religions, you've got to go kind of a bit careful because, I mean, um, one of their Tirthankaras um, um, lived for what they said was eight and a half million years, so like I said, you've got to go a bit careful. Um, but the one that they were talking about, the twenty-fourth uh, um, lived about three thousand years ago.
1: Okay. Okay.
0: But that, All like right. I in- said, if you then... ask the Janus, that's the twenty-fourth in a line of the tirthankaras Okay. Yeah. So, despite the fact the West have, d- have decided that that's when it started, as far as the Jainists believe it's been around since the day dot, and the day dot is billions of years ago. Yeah.
1: Okay. Fair fair, enough. Fair enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to finish on Sikhism, um, and there's a reason for this. Now, Sikhism is the youngest of the Indian religions. Uh Okay. I should point out, actually, I'm saying Indian religions here. Now, obviously, Buddhism is massive in China, um, to the point where the Chinese have have actually passed a law to say that the new Dalai Lama cannot be reincarnated by anybody that is not Chinese. I'm not really sure how that law is going to go about. Being enforced,
1: but okay. So what? What that is? What that is? I think that's the government trying to undermine the huge power that. First off, it's mixing nationalism with religion, which yeah, which never should go. It it doesn't. It it only works
0: in one country in the world. Let's face it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's exactly it, and it it doesn't. Oh yeah. Okay. Um. But uh. It also means that I think what they're doing there is that when the current uh, Dalai Lama dies, if the if the new Dalai Lama is not Chinese and therefore subject to Chinese authority and Chinese yeah. influence, they're kind of almost trying to massively undermine the religion there yeah, by they're not trying to accept it. Yeah. 're not the government isn't going to accept it and all of a sudden there's going to be a schism between um, Buddhists who believe that the the current Dalai Lama is legitimate uh, and therefore define the go- defy the government and those that don't see that uh, see the current one as legitimate or, or sorry the new one as legitimate and are legal um, in a way by state so it's going to be it's going to be frustrating um, to say the least but I think there's going to that that law in itself is almost designed um, by the people in power to cause civil unrest through Buddhism which uh, you know what I I just you know what not a fan of that law straight away
0: no absolutely I'm with you 100% I kind of laughed Um, and I can imagine the soul of the Dalai Lama is laughing going you know what, what do I try and teach you Change will happen. You have to embrace these changes. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. that's
1: you make, make a fair point there. Very dear.
0: You know what they say. Pride comes before a fall. Anyway, so, yeah, like I said, the Sikhism is the youngest and fifth largest of all the global faiths. Um, interestingly, it is religious requirement for a Sikh to carry a sword. Did you know that?
1: that's interesting what's the historic is that is that purely a belief thing or is there a historical
0: it's a it's a religious need it's a requirement you must have a sword and you must not use the sword for anything other than overcoming an oppressor
1: in oh that is very specific
0: yep so it is you can only use it to defend the poor and needy Yeah, So somebody who is less able than yourself and is being oppressed by someone else, you can use that sword to protect them. Now, nowadays, of course, most Sikhs that you see in the street, they don't walk around with massive long swords. Most of the time it's a tiny little, nowadays it's a pocket knife or something like that. But it's well within their religious requirements to carry a sword. Um, So they're allowed to. Interesting.
1: Mm Interesting.
0: Um, the That's... holiest site in Sikhism, you mentioned this earlier. The holiest site in Sikhism is the Harimandir, which is what, James?
1: It's a Gurdwara, um, which means uh, house of the teacher. Um, yeah. Which everything you kind of learn about Gurdwaras will be will be positive. It's very difficult to um, dislike a place which is open to all. And which feeds the needy, just just generally. Like that's what that's what a lot of temples and what a lot of churches should be and aren't.
0: Yeah, yep. So it's a it's a open kitchen. It feeds up to t- hundred thousand people a day as well, um, mm. which is incredible. The Haddington dear. Now I you said about the uh, the good yeah. Now the Gurdwara itself is not just the Harimandir; it's every holy house that is to do with Sikh um, Sikhism in the world. Now, do you know what makes a Gurdwara?
1: No, actually. What what what's the what's the main difference?
0: It's any place that contains the Gant Sahib, the holy book.
1: Interesting. Okay. So the book. Bu- oh, All right. 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 Okay. So that's interesting. So just like an art museum is an art museum because it's got art art in it. Yeah. Okay, so that's right. So it does the whole specific Okay, I also like that far more because it means that the value of the of the building isn't intrinsic to the building, it's intrinsic to the content. Yeah. Just awesome. like a school without any children who attend or where no learning takes place is no longer a school. Yeah. Okay. I like that, actually. That's uh, that's pretty smart. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. Now, um, Sikhism originated in the Punjab area of India, um, and 60% of the Punjabi population are Sikh. However, uh. the number of Sikh um, around the world is quite minimal, but you will see them. You tell me one, one defining feature of a Sikh. Most people misconstrue this for another religion but nine times out of ten if you see this one particular feature on a person it's because they are Sikh
1: um wait it's not it's not the red dot is it because that would be that's Hindu that is Hindu
0: that's Hindu I'm pretty 98% sure that's Hindu yeah
1: Right, okay, sorry, it's just because you brought up misconstrued, no, I, uh, I jumped the, I jumped no, the gun something there. something
0: even bigger. I mean, if you go more American...
1: It's not a turban, is it? It is a
0: turban, yeah. So, every time I've seen somebody wearing a turban, I've mm. always gone, oh, they're Sikh. But I know that a lot of the people around me, being as naive as they are, look at somebody in a turban oh, and go, bloody Muslims," and that's not to say that I condone that at all. I'm just saying that like, it's that stigma, isn't it? And how many Sikhs do you think that get um, stigmatized because of the acts that have been caused in a completely different religious body's name? But do Yeah, you know, that's got to
1: that's be really frustrating.
0: But do you know one of the most amazing things about Sikhs?
1: what's what's one of the most amazing things about Sikhs
0: even if you um even if you outed them as a Muslim or said that they were um a certain way because of their belief they would go okay I'm quite happy for you to think that I don't believe that myself but I'm quite happy for you to think that because that's your core belief and I believe that there is no difference in what you there is no great divide between what you feel and what I feel I think we're all the same um, they would literally say, um, you know what, you see me as a Muslim, I, I'm, I'm going to forgive your, um, your naivety because everybody is the same anyway. What does it matter?
1: Yeah, that's pretty incredible.
0: Um, so Sikhism is the first religion where women were equal to men. And there were women that actually fought in some of their wars. Uh-huh. Um, can you believe that Sikhs believe in karma? Imagine that. Another Indian religion that believe in karma. Um, same as other beliefs which are in, originated around India. However, they believe that karma can be adapted by God. Karma may influence your next life, but no matter how much, they will always be a way for you to become a good person in your lifetime.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm liking the... I it's very difficult to dislike the hopefulness of that.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, Sikh,
0: Sikh itself, the word, means learner. Guru, okay, great. which is their holy people. Guru means teacher or spiritual guide. Yeah. Yeah. And the Sikhs follow the teachings of the ten succeeding gurus, starting with Guru Nanak, the founder of Sikhism. Um, now, okay. Guru Nanak... Um, hated greed um, and despised the social divides um, he was taught by God that there is no divide there is only human, there is no religion there is only God and there have been martyrs among the Ten Gurus now I wanted to cover this as well because some of these stories are fantastic um, one was beheaded by a Mughal leader Guru Aryan, um, just because he didn't agree with this guy's beliefs. Um, and the other was Guru Teg Bahadir, who was killed by Mughals when trying to defend the beliefs of the Hindus.
1: You see, now that is amazing. Okay, yeah. So literally he... W- okay.
0: Now the ninth succeeding Guru stopped the succession of gurus by making the Ganth Sahib the final guru. So he made the book that every one of the preceding gurus wrote into and put their teachings into the final guru and said, you know what, this is now going to succeed me, this book, and it will always be the guru. As long as you have this book, you have us.
1: Okay, interesting. That's, yeah, that's kind of like a, that's very much a cementing. But like, that's another thing to cover would be the cementing of a religion or the canonizing of a religion through its transcription into written code or written law. Uh, That's, all right. Yeah, I think that, that, that is interesting, though, that he goes to uh, change the, the process of succession there in or abolish the process of succession.
0: Yeah, well, um, I think he's, he's kind of got to the point where he's like, you know what, I don't know that we can get any better than what we've already got. Why do we need to? Why do we need to develop on this? It's already good enough. Let's just go with this.
1: Yeah, I can. Res- I can respect that to a point. I think every. I think every process should be trying to improve itself, um, though. So maybe I'm. Uh, but that that might just be my Western way of looking at it. But uh, yeah, I can at the very least really get behind. Um, a lot of yeah, a lot of what's been said there. That that is at least something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. yeah. So, um, the core beliefs of
0: Sikhism is that there is one God. God is everything, everywhere, everyone, all of reality. He is called Wayoguru. They believe that no one's ideology of God is incorrect. Everyone's God is the one God, because God is everything. Um, They believe in Maya, which is distraction. And maya is anything that takes your mind away from God and stops your progression towards breaking free of the cycles of life's reincarnation. Um, And seva is selfless service. Um, So they believe in selfless service, acting because what needs to happen needs to happen. And if you're there and you can facilitate that, you should do.
1: Yeah, it's hard to hard to disagree with that.
0: Absolutely, there are the three pillars, which are the absolute like the standing structures of the Sikh beliefs. They are the uh, these are kind of like your go-to. These are the things that you must do if you are a Sikh. They're the Nam Japo, which is meditation on God and reciting of His name, Wahilguru. Um The Kirtankari, which is working hard to make an honest living, and the Wan Chakni which is sharing the fruits of your labor with others.
1: Um, I very practical and very good things. Yeah. Like I do also like that um, Buddhism also focuses on what you choose to do, what you spend your, your time doing. Like it, I, I can't remember the name of it, but it does warn against becoming a soldier, for example, because soldiers have to kill people and kind of a number of things like that. Um, That's interesting. I like the working, yeah, the part of, I I like how quite, that is very succinct and very logical to me that, first rule, work hard so you, work hard so that you can have stuff. Next bit, when you've got stuff, share it. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah, I just it's again very difficult to argue with that sort of way of doing things.
0: Yeah, now I I actually think that um, like India's religions are some of the most poignant that we that we have in the world, and mm. um, I'm going to be a bit um, edgy, shall we say, and say that like. Even Christianity and like the religions that I grew up around, like Judaism and and Muslims, like they are very narrow-minded as a as a religion. And yet, every single one of the Indian faiths—well, um, no, that's a lie. I think Jainism is the one that says um, there is only one religion, and that is Jainism, and that's how it must uh-huh. be. Um, however, like Hinduism. Buddhism and Sikhism all kind of say, meh. You know what? Not everybody's going to believe what you believe, but as long as you believe it, what does it matter? Mm. You know, I whatever.
1: guess that. Go on. Well, I guess that comes down to what a religion or how a religion, um, uh, what a religion believes about objective truth and it is great that there's a lot of religions out there which can just accept uh that this world goes beyond anything we can kind of like truly understand and as a res- as a result therefore a number of truths can be can be real but like a lot of a lot of uh, systems of thought believe in an objective reality but it's a, it's an singular yeah. objective reality yeah. so i kind of i i can I, I you know like i can see why for example from just from this conversation nick i now understand why there is a myriad of religions existing in india and why, although there's social, um, there has been social unrest in the past, I now understand why they haven't historically build each other like uh, They almost live harmoniously
0: ago. nowadays, you know? Like, there are um, six core, core religions in India. The hmm. biggest four are Hinduism, Buddhism, Sikhism, and Christianity. You know, and the fact that those four religions can live in dominance, they're not even like, oh, there's there's like Christianity which is bigger than all the rest. Um, and the others kind of just fit in where they can fit in. They are all like a, a large share of the population each, and they coexist quite happily accepting of each other. I think the Christians kind of have to hide and the Buddhists and Hindus and, and Sikhs kind of accept the fact that they're there. Um, that was once again a really dry joke that nobody must have got, but we'll go there some other day. Right, <laughs>
1: like it's... It is, yeah, that is... I don't know, that's commendable, and it's a shame that... it. it, it I don't know it's it, it it kind of makes me wonder then what the hell happened with the separation of India and Pakistan if they if they're now uh getting on you know
0: yeah
1: um but that oh okay well y- you know what i'm at least understanding why it's it's possible for these different things if cuz if they all say um, or all of with the exception of jad Jadism, say that the other one is valid. They might not have it all right, but they've got it mostly down. Or in the case of Sikhism, every single truth is valid. Now, I struggle with the idea of every single truth being valid because that's almost objectifying or, yeah, okay, completely objectifying the idea of moral relativism whereas I don't see all forms of moral of not all views on morality are compatible in my mind but I will admit I struggle to argue moral objectivity um, as a rule generally and it's annoying because I'll listen to authors who explain it perfectly and go! Oh my God, that's amazing! And then five minutes later, I'm not able to explain it. Yeah, I've got a mate who fully, fully believes in uh, moral subjectivity, and a lot of people do. perhaps yourself uh, do, do? Do would you say that morality is entirely subjective? I realise that's possibly a, a conversation for another it's podcast. Quite, I mean, like... it's a
0: bit of a loaded question, to be fair, as well, because I think. The way I perceive it is morality to me. I've never had to think about morality. It's um, kind of at my core. Like, when I've been, like, having to be, having to grow up as an autistic person in in a neurotypical world, I found myself observing people a lot more to know almost like temperature gauge how do i react what should i say where should i be but i was also smart enough to look at the way that people were reacting or the way that people were behaving and kind of add a moral compass to it and go that's not really going to work because cause and effect says that that's going to end up like this but i'm going to take that lesson as a lesson learned because i now know that's how not to respond so if i can gauge my response as a polar opposite to that, then I know I'm roughly in the right ballpark and I'm good. So, for me, my moral compass has kind of centred me whilst trying to find my, fi- my find my feet. I've started a little bit there, sorry about that. Um, when I've been trying to find my feet in uncharted territory, as it were. Yeah. I don't know okay. whether that's something that I... I don't know whether that moral compass is something... I think I did... Learn it at a very young age. I wasn't a very nice child, like I've mentioned before. Um, I think stealing from those closest to me, and generally not being a very nice person, and then what that did to those people that were close to me, um, maybe centered my morality, uh, maybe centered my morality a lot earlier than most people, um, and therefore in my, shall we say, conscious. Adulthood, I've not really had to think too much about morality because it was so ingrained from a young age, from making all those mistakes. Mm.
1: No, well, that that's fair enough. Like, so it, what I'd say there is that your morality is informed by your mistakes, is or at least that's what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's how I feel about it. Anyway.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, that no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Okay. Well, I've got. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'm not just gonna badmouth him, um, but. <sighs> I I do get frustrated when people hide behind the idea of subjective morality as a way of saying that morality just doesn't exist, whereas I think most people can agree that it does. However, what annoys me is that I can't explain why it does without illogical emotion-based arguments. Um, But anyway, sorry. So, So I find I I both like and struggle with what you've said about Sikhism there because I can't see all moral truths or all truths as compatible. But that might just be my own narrow mindedness. I'll need to think and do a bit of research on that.
0: No worries. No worries. Um, I think it was an absolutely fantastic thing to go and learn about. I really enjoyed researching this podcast. Um, I think there's so much depth in their religions. And this isn't even scratching the surface. When you look at Hinduism, I mean, I'm only talking about Hinduism because, as I said, it's almost like the core of, or the, the centre of um, all of these Indian religions. Um, and. It's almost like they wrote their entire history into their religion. If you look at some of the scriptures from um, from Hinduism over the years, it's utterly right. incredible. It really is worth a deep look into that.
1: Brilliant. Well, that's good. Well, I've, I, I don't know about you, but my head is spinning from this. <laughs> I'm definitely going to need to do a bit more research into this and also try and figure out, a few more things um uh, do you have anything else that you wish to uh impart with us
0: no no i'm gonna leave it there like i said to those listeners still with us um i we we've kind of touched upon now um seven of the biggest religions in the world and what we've done is instead of giving you our um biased perspective on all of these religions what we've done is we've given you their history and we've given you their background and the reason we've done this is because in a future podcast I won't necessarily say the next podcast but in a future podcast what we aim to do is we aim to bring the narrative to kind of challenge that and say why like we have done with all other topics that we've discussed why how when is it something that needs to still exist if it does Um, like why, you know, Um, and we can now do that without having to continually describe or give background to or context to all of these religions, there's so much to them that if we didn't do a couple of episodes just on each of their histories then we would have spent forever and our our original our our main aim our main topic of of discussion with the podcast would have been four hours long as opposed to our normal hour hour and 15 hour and 20 minute podcast
1: absolutely is there anything you want to add today james um no, my mind, my mind is spinning. I'm really, I'm going to need to look at the the formation um, of India and Pakistan again to understand how religions which had existed uh, for um, for like centuries, um, or I don't know how there was a political movement to. make a whole new country and how one person was foolish enough to uh you know what no i need to i need to stop myself there and do my research um yeah no i've i've got nothing i've got nothing to add um i've i've said my bit my little bit at least about objective truth and about how um yeah how i i'm struggling to understand sikhism's understanding of all things being true although you did bring up a very very good point about multiple realities um but uh yeah no i'm i'm good i've i've learned a lot thank you very much for your research
0: no problem at all and uh thank you to all the listeners that are still with us we hope you've enjoyed and we will catch you on the next podcast bye from me
1: and bye from myself